0: Look at these tools, aren't they neat? Wouldn't you think that my dev stack's complete? Wouldn't you think I'm the girl who set up everything? Look at this node, size is untold. How many dependencies can it hold? Looking around here you'd think, hmm, that's gotta be everything. (laughs) I've got modules and bundles aplenty. I've got JSON and YAML, why not? You want vendor scripts? I've got 20 but who cares no big deal we need more okay I didn't really know how to end this song
1: oh my god I love (laughs) Disney songs
0: so much (laughs) welcome back we're back uh welcome to tools day a 20 minute podcast about tech tools tips and tricks on Tuesdays at two for those of you who are just joining us I'm your co-host Yuna and I'm Chris and today we're talking about
1: the, the state, state of JavaScript. Of JavaScript.
0: Ooh! <laughs> this is a topic that's just kind of it's it's effervescent. It always exists. People are always talking about this, but specifically lately there was a blog post that came out on Medium, of course. Um, where else, really? Yeah, and it was called How It Feels to Learn JavaScript in 2016. Um, if you're listening to the show, you've probably read this blog post. But if you haven't, we'll link it in the show notes, and we'll kind of be discussing it as we go.
1: Yeah, and so it, I kind of went through this kind of satirical, kind of, maybe, sort of uh, journey. scenario. <laughs> yeah, scenario where there was a... A new developer, an experienced one, I guess, and they're having a back and forth conversation with a new guy is like, "Hey, I just want to build this very simple project. How do I do it?" And the other guy's like, "Well, you know you need this tool and that tool and this thing and that thing." and it goes on and on and on, and it ends up with the guy saying, "Why would I ever do it this way?" Um, and so it's, it's like, what
0: happened to the old web? What I could just well, throw
1: up. Yeah, why well, can't I just put an HTML file, CSS file, and JavaScript and call it a day? Um,
0: I feel like there's a lot of truth to this. Um, obviously, it's a satire, but it's a very rational conversation, it seems, um, and especially in terms of how JavaScript has progressed. Um, I really wouldn't know what it feels like to be an outsider looking into this world right now.
1: You know, I, I, I get his point here, but I also, I come from a different angle, I guess, where, um, one, I love JavaScript um, beyond all reason, and sometimes I think I see these type of blog posts and this uh, this kind of, you know, anxiety about tooling, and for me, it kind of goes back to some of the basics that, you know, if you don't need the tool, don't use the tool. Maybe you don't need Babel. Maybe you don't need ES6.
0: Um, And that's fine when you know what you need and what you don't need and when you know what each of those things are doing. But if you're new, you don't really know what's out there or what works best. And everybody has a different opinion about this. Yeah.
1: Um, But that's kind of the scenario we're in right now where there's this kind of – it's so hard now sometimes to get started, um, to just do something. And it's interesting because the state of education for JavaScript sometimes does play into what you're you're saying where – um, I think one of the points made in, in this "How to Learn JavaScript" is that the, the tutorials all now include every single one of these tools. And so, if you're trying to get into yeah. a new web application today, you won't see someone just say, "Hey, just use jQuery for this because it's a simple application and you don't need anything else." Um, they say they want to
0: teach you the latest and greatest, right? Yeah, which changes very frequently.
1: Uh, yeah. So I mean, yeah, and so I guess. I don't know, I, I'm actually planning to do a uh, learn how to how to, how to learn um, basic web CSS and JavaScript with my visual designers in the next three months. And so I'm nice. kind of curious to see what the reaction is to all this kind of stuff. Um, yeah,
0: I, I kind of want to quickly just go through the article and yeah. um, pick out every single technology that was mentioned. Um, so it starts and the person A is like, no one uses jQuery anymore, you should try learning React. It's 2016. <laughs> okay, so there's two. JQuery and um, React. JQuery and React. And then the person is confused about what React is, explaining like, oh, it's a thing that Facebook made. Okay. Um, if you think about it, it's really interesting that we're now normalizing a tool that was created by a corporation as a part of our dev stacks.
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess Google kind of kicked this off with Angular um, three years ago. Um, and then we've never looked back. But, yeah, you're right. It's – it's. Um, I guess it feels new, but maybe it's not. Um, even the it old
0: – If you think about five years ago, that was not a thing.
1: Uh, I'm trying to think, like, going back 15, 20 years ago, um, who sponsored, like, C++ and Java? Uh, it was Oracle, Well, even right? think about
0: jQuery. That's not so far away. Like, yeah. there was a jQuery foundation. That's true, you know, yeah. It's open source. And there were multiple companies that contributed to it. Um, as board members. That's true, yeah. Um, yeah.
1: I, I actually have never thought of it that way. <laughs> strangely enough. I, I think I should because we can't use React sometimes at, I, at IBM because of this kind of intercompany company shenanigans. Um, but, okay. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so, um, within React, there's um, JSX, which is mentioned in the article. Yep. Um, <laughs> which is, it's funny to, like, hear that described. And then, of course, you need Babel. Right. And, You'd be able to transpile your code, which is also a new thing yeah. that we haven't had to do really much before unless you were trying to port a language into another one. Yeah,
1: I guess there's also this huge trend right now to say nobody writes just JavaScript. You write ES6 and transpile it down, or you write TypeScript and transpile it down, or you write JavaScript with flow typing and com- yeah. compile it down. Um or the new hotness is Elm, right? Um,
0: right. and all of these tools also require additional plugins to your text editors right. and your browser so you can um debug in them. Yeah. So you really do have to build a stack for every single decision you make. And if you're watching these tutorials thinking like, Oh, I'm gonna learn a new language and each of them has a different um sort of way to write JS, you're now just inundated with additional tools that you're right. building on top of your <laughs> existing tool set. Right. So um the article goes into the differences between ES5 and ES2016 plus.
1: <laughs> it's it's so funny because like they they made this swap from ES5 to ES6 to ES2015, 2016, mm-hmm. which which article does mention. But um, you know, half of us who uh, have been calling it for ES6 for the last you know two years, we don't say ES2015, we say ES6 and then
0: it's shorter it's snappier it's easier to say I know it makes sense ES 2015 is like proper way to say it right
1: and I actually have had this discussion before where somebody was confused what ES 2015 was versus ES 6 and I was like oh no they're the exact same thing kind of but not really because now ES 2015 is there's like a spec for that versus ES 2016 and there's no ES (laughs) 7 anymore
0: and these are all things that you know because you're immersed in this world it's not something that is innate
1: right exactly and i
0: think that was what the point of this article was yeah. um okay so moving right along yep uh, so talk about es6 which they mentioned as es6 they also mentioned es2016 um then they talk about module managers yeah which, my favorite thing <laughs> we have we have an episode about module managers also amd CommonJS browserify Variety of things here. Uh, they probably mentioned Webpack later. I don't see it here right now. Where, where's this Webpack? What? You don't mention Webpack.
1: This article is garbage. Awesome.
0: <laughs> don't they know it's October? <laughs> this is so September. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, yeah. So then they talk about uh, NPM, which yeah. I think as a web developer these days, like you really have to know NPM, how it, to use it. And it's so um, funny
1: because like when I first got into this stuff, NPM was just a node thing. Right? It was back-end developers only. And I consider myself at the time front end specifically, and now it's like, oh yeah, if you're a front end developer, you should know. I guess this is kind of to the point. The more the, I talk about this article, the more I realize its its strengths. Um, it's
0: true. I mean, it's true. It's <laughs> that's why people had such harsh reactions to it because it's true. Like things are funny because they're true.
1: Yeah. Um, but yeah, like if you, you know, I'm I'm realizing this for just now. You know, I've had to explain npm install to a couple people recently at work and in the back of my head i was like you know oh doesn't everybody know this already but i guess um it's guess not
0: yeah and yarn just came out today oh, i love yarn the day that we we're recording this. <laughs> um i i really want to hear about yarn because i haven't had a chance to really look into it so tell me everything you know
1: um well it's um it's not a replacement for the npm registry uh, but it is a replacement for the NPM CLI tool, uh, which is it's, all this is, feels tremendously ironic to talk about in today this conversation. <laughs>
0: That's why we're talking about <laughs> it in this
1: conversation. Uh, but Yorn is basically saying, hey, you know, NPM3 is so slow to install things. It has these like, four or five different pain points you have when trying to scale up um, installing node modules. Um, try using this new tool, which pulls from the exact same registry that npm does, the npm registry, um, but installs it in a smarter, cleaner way. So you get faster builds, and it actually is an order of like a magnitude faster. Um, if you do from a very like completely clean state, like you've just cloned down a git repo and you're typing in npm install or yarn install in this case, um, it's like three times as fast.
0: Um, Do you know how or why it's faster?
1: I have not dove into the code base quite yet, um, but I think it's the way how they process the different dependencies. Um, so I don't know the technical details behind it, though.
0: So is it just a dependency loader? Uh,
1: no, it's, it's, a, it's a dependency installer. So it's a replacement for npm install. You say yarn install versus right. npm install. And so um, it just, it's the same thing. You know, it goes to the registering the cloud and pulls down the different dependencies that you have it just does it in a faster way and okay
0: so now we need yarn yeah. to more efficiently download npm registries
1: yes precisely <laughs>
0: welcome to october yeah. <laughs> um okay so they also mentioned bauer and how nobody uses Bower anymore which i beg to differ on that
1: i i i i've back and forth about this i have to agree that People do use it because um, the polymer team uses Bauer and we use polymer at work. and so we have to use Bauer, but I don't like using Bauer.
0: Um, I originally had like a lot of conversations with people who said that NPM is definitely the way that you should be delivering front-end assets now, but that seems to have changed. It depends on who I talk to because some people have like a really strong opinion that is the opposite of that where they say, always have your front-end dependencies, like your styles, et etc. Um, sent through Bower.
1: I think it depends how deeply immersed the person is into the state of JavaScript, really. Because if you are a JS developer, uh, Webpack works so cleanly with Node modules that, that whole scenario, without with zero setup, you can do MP, you can do you know require whatever package you want and have it be part of your build. Um, with Bower, there's a little bit of setup you have to do to kind of get that same um, workflow. But um, I could
0: op like I could say in the opposite way. If you don't have Webpack set up, um, Bower is much easier to work with in terms of. Here I want to link to this um, front end asset.
1: Uh, I mean, they both go into a a folder inside the repository, all right? One goes to Bower components. One goes to Node modules.
0: Right, but if you're gonna have Bower components, you don't have to set up an entire build system. Like you could theoretically just use a component without having a build system.
1: Right, but you could you could do that with MPM as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, to me, to me, so Bauer is nice because it gives you a flat tree of stuff. Um, but so now the
0: latest NPM. NPM also does that now, too. Also- <laughs>
1: yeah. So, so like, the biggest pro for Bauer was that flat structure, and it's kind of gone away now since Node Modules also does that. Um, but Bauer is much faster than NPM, but now we have Yarn, so... Um, <laughs> What's up?
0: And so the circle continues. Uh, um, all right. So after all of these things. Oh, wait. They do mention Webpack next. Oh,
1: oh.
0: After they mentioned uh, task managers like Grunt, Gulp, or Broccoli. Uh,
1: our first episode, I think. Was about this. Yeah. yeah. This
0: whole podcast started. this Like we talk about tech tools. This episode is perfect <laughs> for our show. And it all started because there were just so many task managers that we wanted to like break them down and talk about them. Um, then there's also make files, which is like the new hotness where you're not using any task manager. You're just using make files Wait, or NPM no. script.
1: That's the hot, that's the old hotness. Webpack is the, is the new hotness. Okay, sorry.
0: Uh, <laughs> make files were the new hotness last year. And then Webpack came out and everybody was really confused about Webpack because the docs were terrible at first. Um, and I think the docs are still pretty terrible, but people just got more used to using it.
1: Uh. But Webpack 2 is coming out soon, and they are doing a concerted effort to make the docs a better experience. So... <laughs> okay,
0: good. Great. Um, all right, so we have Webpack about talk about um, CommonJS and JS Module.
1: Also, also we have an episode on this. We have an episode about all this entire podcast. Or this... That's
0: because we have to have this <laughs> podcast because of this freaking state of development yeah. world yeah. that exists. <laughs> like this podcast was not stemmed out of no need it was yeah. stemmed out of the fact that all of this exists and we need to know about it and use right. it in our day-to-day lives uh yeah
1: now
0: now we get to system.js
1: system.js which i have not actually used personally
0: system.js is really new and um it's pretty useful with like es6 that's when i've heard about it it's a module loader yeah. um i haven't personally used it but i've seen a lot of videos that use
1: it. I've seen so. some tutorials. I think that the big benefit for SystemJS was that it um, lets you create smaller build packs with proper ES6 module loading. And so what Webpack does today in Webpack 1, if you import in an ES6 module, it actually brings in the entire file as opposed to just a specific the specific function need. You, you need. So SystemJS and Rollup both bring in the, the appropriate ES6 you know functionality. Uh, Webpack two does solve this problem though, so uh, we'll see. All right.
0: Now. Well, I guess we'll wait for that. Yeah. Um, but then this is all brought up because HTTP two, and that versus all HTTP, right. which allows the multiple requests, which makes SystemJS like totally fine. You don't have to send like a big, um, one large file. Um, so that's another fun thing. All the the new protocols.
1: Yeah, and then it goes uh, on to the new Babel six with and Babel six. <laughs> Uh, did this thing where in Babel 5 you just said npm install Babel and it had the entire process for you, you were done with Babel 6 he uh, Sebastian split up everything into smaller modules so to do an actual Babel transpilation you need to install Babel Babel Core, Babel Preset
0: and... like ES2015 Presets, right. it's a very different learning curve from, um, if you're watching an ES, uh, Babel 5 tutorial to a Babel 6 tutorial, yeah. um, Babel 5, it's like, it's automatically there yeah. and Babel 6 is just a lot more configuration.
1: Yeah. And so, I mean, with Babel 6, you get a lot more power with how specific you want to get with your translation, which is great. Um, once you've learned it, but the initial process, especially because there used to be a lot of Babel 5 tutorials out in the web. And so you'd like find something you liked. You try to use it and then realize that it's not relevant anymore at all with Babel six. So um, yeah.
0: So um, we next get to TypeScript. Yep. And then Flow. And I don't really know what Flow is.
1: Um, so Flow is a thing from Facebook, and it'll adds typing into your into JavaScript. It's kind of like TypeScript, um, where you know you can say I in my function I accept this parameter and it must be a type string. Right, and so if you don't give a string type variable into your into your function, um, it throws an error out. And so it's it harkens back to the days of like C plus um, plus, and not JavaScript, where every every variable you use has to conform to a specific type of um, thing, right? So a string, a boolean, an integer, mm-hmm. or float, um, and it makes for maybe. Um, more consistent javascript but some people uh find it too restrictive so
0: got it and then ocaml is mentioned
1: um oh yeah
0: functional programming i know nothing about ocaml i'm not even gonna (laughs) pretend that i do neither do i um so yeah there's also like the continued debate about object-oriented programming and functional programming and different um ways to do that then we get to naming a couple of names in the Js world, uh, then we get to fetch the fetch API.
1: Yeah, fetch uh, API is great. Um, it's a good one. yeah, it's a good one. Um,
0: but then it talks about um, you, you can't see. do Ajax. <laughs> well, it's like
1: a, <laughs> yeah, it's like if you use just normal XML HTTP requests, which is the older version of um, fetch, I guess. Um, to get the actual response, you give it a callback function, which means after you do the fetch, you run this callback function, or run, run the function. Um, and what happens is that there's this kind of thing called the callback pyramid where you just add callbacks upon callbacks, upon callbacks and there's this line indentation, oh, hello, phone, um, <laughs> where it looks horrible. And now it's like, oh, by now you can use uh, Fetch plus promises, which solves right. this issue, quote-unquote.
0: So if you use Fetch, then you also have to polyfill it because not every browser supports it. Yep. Which you need a polyfill service or use polyfill.io or yeah. um, some kind of polyfill. Uh, this also mentions Bluebird, Request, or Axios yep. instead of a polyfill?
1: Uh, yeah, so they're, they are AJAX libraries, more or less. And so instead of using Fetch, you'd use Axios, for example. And so you said Axios.get. And then your you know REST API or whatever, um, versus just using the native Fetch browser API.
0: Okay, that is beyond me. <laughs> so,
1: I mean, they're there because Fetch is actually a pretty incomplete spec, um, which means that there are certain things you might want to do. Like say you do a API call, and then realize you want to cancel it halfway through. Like user presses cancel, in, in some UI flow, the Fetch API cannot be canceled. It has to complete and then come back. Um, with things like Axios, you can um, cancel the, the outgoing, you know, call. So okay. uh, that's why those things exist.
0: But wouldn't that just work with promises where it's not the return state? Uh, no, it's, it's a little bit different because promises is
1: saying once I'm done, do next, do the next thing. Um, this is just but saying, it's saying
0: if I complete. If,
1: if I complete or error out, right? But there's an in between state saying, um, stop, stop the network traffic. But um, when
0: would you use that?
1: Um, say you're doing like a, like a filtering, for example, um, and you're you're sending a bunch of like, calls to your server because you're, you're trying to get fetch data back and forth uh, of a, a large data set. So like you you have a search box, you're typing in some some. Words and you're going to the server to get back new responses every time you type in a new word. Um, and then they uh, stop typing or something and you say, okay, stop doing requests. This is, this is a contrived example. Uh, a better example would maybe be a file upload um, and saying stop in the middle of it. Um, or, um, I don't know, I actually don't have a good example off the top of my head for this. <laughs> I think the file upload <laughs> uh, is a good
0: example. Yeah. Um, okay, we need to quickly move on. I'm just gonna like briefly <laughs> mention other things. So, flux, flexible, flummox, all these are all things that have to do with React. There's also Redux. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. They just like fly over these things in the article as well. Because yeah. um, then they talk about templating engines, which they don't even mention that many. There are so many. Um, uh, gosh, they do list a lot of them. I'm not even sure if half of these are real. I'm just um, kidding. They're probably. <laughs> <all>. <laughs> There was a website somebody made that was like, is this a um, static site generator or like an animal?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Or is it breakfast, Um, really?
0: Okay, I'm kind of like done talking about this post. It just goes on. It's a really funny post, um, but there was a lot of reaction to it. People got really riled up. I think it's because of the validity of it that um, people who were in the JS community they either resonated with it or they resonated with it and like were offended that other people did as well and I, so they they reacted to it that was like no this isn't true i got
1: i guess i got kind of offended when i read it you know i i when you when i first saw it and we talked about it i was like you know i i get the point they're making and as we're talking today i get more of the point which they they're making than i did when i first read it but um I reacted to it because I just see this this argument made all the time in blog posts and like Hacker News uh, threads saying you know, JavaScript is too complicated to use. Uh, why do we need front end development? There's so much tooling required to do front end. And my response to that is like, no, you don't need all that. You don't need Axios. You don't need Elm or Redux or whatnot uh, to do front end development. Um, you just need. Um, the tools that you need for whatever you're trying to build, and so um, if you're just building a static site or you're building as a simple thing, um, you don't need all these things. And and I saw a response on on Reddit actually to this post uh, where someone's like, you know, this requires engineering, common sense, which is kind of a maybe a, kind of a um, derogatory way of saying it. Um, but I I kind of feel like in the comp sci world. Um, Tooling is nothing new, right? And so if you're building a Java app or a C++ app, there's this set of tools you're required to use uh, 99% of the time. But, um, you know, once you're an experienced developer, which is kind of the issue here, or or even new, you you don't use all of them. You just use the ones you need. And there is this this instinct in the JavaScript world to just use all the latest things, right? I need to use Babel. I need to use React. Yeah, that might be the bigger problem. Right? And... Uh, the pushback saying you, know, you don't need to use all the newest things; just use the things you need. Um.
0: My feels about this post are: tools are good; they're made for a reason. Right. Um, generally good. So, like people wouldn't build React if it wasn't necessary to solve a problem that they had. Uh, I don't think that is the great, the right tool for everybody, and not everybody is building a Facebook. Um, but here we are in this place where you always have to keep up with the latest. You always have to um, reinvent yourself and be new to stay relevant in this software world. So people are using these latest tools just because they want to be able to practice with them and stay relevant. And then when they hear that someone else is using it, like that's even more incentive to try it out when all the um, articles and blog posts are mentioning it. Um, that's, that's another reason. Yeah. So I think it's not tool fatigue. I think it's more like, um, it's difficulty fatigue.
1: mental fatigue it's,
0: yeah, it's not, i don't really know what the right <laughs> word to say is it's it's more of how our community is in terms of um we got to try to lay as shiny shiny ball syndrome is how
1: I yeah know. yeah no i completely get that i'm on board with that and i mean there's a lot of validity to the fact that there is like a unhealthy work life balance inside the JS community or the, the web community as a whole, where, um, you know, if you want to get a job, they're like, Hey, we need you to have five years experience with react. And, you know, nobody has that or <laughs> very few people have that. And it's like, um, if you want to get a job, sometimes you need to know the latest things and that requires you working late, you know, in your own free time always and always. And so it is not always the healthiest way of living a life. Um, I I think yeah,
0: positively. Well. Um, though we're kind of taking a step back because a lot of people are realizing that, and we're seeing a trend towards um, convention over configuration, and that is sort of seen in uh, I'll give an example of like the Ember CLI. Reactors came out with their own CLI React uh, Create React app, where um, they're giving you a way forward. They're saying this is the way that we as a community have sort of decided is the easiest way to get started with this, or like the most um, conventional way, I think that definitely helps with this. Like you still have a ton of tools, but if you pick a tool, at least in that tool set, you don't have this plethora of opinions about different ways to structure your application.
1: Yeah, and I completely agree with that. I'm 100% a fan of the new tooling, I guess it's coming out, that simplifies tooling, (laughs) More (laughs) more tools that simplifies tools because like, you know, like I actually just swapped one of my apps over to create React app. And it's so nice because now I don't have to think about babble and uh, you know all these dependencies I had before, it just all works. And I just focus on creating my application versus creating my tools. And I, I love tools. I love messing with the tools, but it is nice just to focus on the actual thing I'm doing. So yeah. I hope we see more of that as time goes on.
0: I feel like we're getting um, sort of to the end of this episode. We might have talked too long already. Uh, before we go, I briefly want to mention two other uh, reaction posts. One was how it actually feels to write JavaScript in 2016, because somebody has to, well, actually, but it does have some good points. Um, And then Tim Cadlick wrote a really good post called Chasing Tools that was like a little bit more level-headed about it. So I think this post was necessary. I liked how dramatic it was. Um, It got this conversation going that I think is great. And a lot of these tools, like we mentioned, are episodes of ours that we've done in the past. So if you need any more information about these tools, uh, maybe take a listen to those episodes. If they're not too old, they probably shouldn't be. We started this podcast about a year ago. So. Yeah. <laughs> a um, year
1: is like 15 years in web years, right? So. It's
0: so true. It's crazy. <laughs> um, but if you like this show, please rate us, comment us on iTunes, uh, whatever, etc.
1: Podcatcher or... <laughs> of your choice.
0: <laughs> yeah. they listen to... I could never say that. I think I've been trying to say it for 10 episodes now. Um, <laughs> yeah, we appreciate you listening to us and good luck with all of your tools.